Welcome to Prima's 2022 podcast series. My name is Shonda Ragland. I am the Director of Education at Prima. On this Prima podcast, Joseph Whitlock will discuss COVID-19 engineering and facility controls. Joseph is the Senior Advisor, Health, Safety, and Industrial Hygiene at EFI Global. We will also be joined by Prima's Education Coordinator, Taekwon Gilbert. Taekwon will moderate the discussion. Enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Joe. Pleasure to be here. So to start, we know that we all want to get back to work and get back to normal. What is the most important piece of the COVID-19 puzzle that organizations need to carry forward? That's a great question. In my mind, there will be another public health epidemic period. Transmission is going to be through the air inhalation of infectious particles. And so, you know, I always like to remind everyone to remember the video of someone sneezing. You know, it's the mechanics and the velocity of those saliva droplets. And they're very, very well known. You know, for example, sneezing, you know, is up to 111 miles per hour, and that travels as far as 26 feet. Coughing, 22 miles an hour, up to six and a half feet. And just simply breathing, two miles per hour velocity of saliva particles up to three and a half feet. So, you know, remember that sneezing video, and that's, you know, that's how the air inhalation is working through this COVID-19. But as a result, you know, I, I believe that workers and employers at risk need to remember N95s can also make a difference, especially when all other variables simply cannot be controlled. And employers need to remember N95s can help those at risk workers if their health allows them to be worn. But really, you know, I would hope that we would carry health and hygiene lessons forward as we get past COVID-19 and hopefully we can reduce the number of sick or at risk from being hospitalized or even reduce the fatalities. But if you look right now, influenza rates, seasonal influenza rates have been dramatically reduced during the last two years. And hopefully we can continue this trend. But, uh, you know, really we're here talking today on engineering facility controls. So what engineering and facility controls did you see organizations use to reduce COVID-19? Well, ironically, to work from home, you know, a lot of us were sent home or sent home from school, but essential workers still had to show up and work every day. So hats off to the workers that, you know, went to work, you know, get us our packages delivered to our homestead or get the food delivered or even, you know, just show up every day. The rest of us could work at home. But within facilities and buildings that were occupied, we saw a spectrum of controls out there. And there's about seven categories of controls that we saw. So hand sanitizing, for example, those stations, you know, putting those up, mask stations for those who don't have it. But after that, you know, controls we saw were physical barriers, the enclosure, plastic see-through guards, whether or not those work, you know, the jury's still out on that. But automatic door openers and sensors and or foot pedals. But a big facility control was the local HEPA units, and and that's the units that claim to be 99.97% capture efficiency at three micron particle diameter. Also, obviously, the improved HVAC filtration or the higher filters ratings. Also, another category would be devices such as ion generators that claim to inactivate or kill infectious particles in the air. Also, dilution ventilation and increasing outside air is helpful with the HVAC. But then there was another category that we like to call, you know, novel residual coatings and novel air treatments. And and those are coming along as a result of the COVID. So, you know, categorically, that's what we saw to reduce COVID-19. Which of those controls did you see working and what did not work? We really believe that the local HEPA units make the biggest impact right now. When you have the high-density area of people, 
you know, those customer to worker interfaces, the student to teacher interface, or where HVAC improvements are, are simply not feasible. Sized and positioned correctly, these small HEPA units can help filter the viral particles locally where inhalation of the virus is occurring. If you're going to get those for your facility, we like to tell everyone, look for the, the highest rating available to fit the space, and that's the clean air delivery rate. And you can see that on the box when you buy the, the HEPA filtration if you're going to install those in your facility. But after that, the highest filter rating combined with increasing air building changes per hour really is what optimizes the air filtration. So MERV 13 filter is the recommended filter size. Many systems, though, cannot simply accept that pressure drop associated with those higher filters. And so the air restriction from those higher rated filters, a lot of times you can't increase the higher filter rate. So a warning, be careful to make sure the system can accept a higher rated filter before you install in your, your building systems. Also, another trick that we saw work for facilities, especially facilities that, that couldn't take a higher filtration rating in their, their HVAC systems, you can simply adjust the fan setting to continuous where the fan or the blower is on continuously. Just by putting the fan into manual during peak occupancy, you can increase the air changes per hour, which increases the building fil filtration rate. After that, we did see facilities get into some trouble by trying to use too much outdoor air during extremely cold or extremely hot periods. Outdoor air will also help dilute the air as you try to filter it. But some facilities had issues with frozen pipes, especially during the winter. Also, we recommend that facilities look at the costs associated with that outside air. You know, they're really high to condition that air because you're adding so much outside air. But that's really the, the good and the bad that we saw. I see you didn't mention ultraviolet light, ozone generators, or ion generators, et cetera. Why not? In our experience, we have seen organizations use those, but there's no agreed upon consensus test method by third parties for these devices. We've worked closely with the EPA, and the EPA is busy looking at developing proven test methods for alternative technologies. But, you know, for those categories, the efficacy of new products being brought to the market, such as the residual surface treatments or ion generators, those are yet to be determined. So facilities and engineering, you need to look closely at the manufacturer's claims. Buyer beware is really appropriate here. And we'd like to state we're not saying they can't work. It's just that there's, you know, this third-party validation is not widely used. So, again, buyer beware. And we know that the HVAC improvements that we just talked about are also highly efficient. But if I could, let's talk some numbers in the meantime. If you look at just local HEPA units and optimizing building ventilation systems, we know that the relative risk reduction of contracting COVID you will see a relative risk reduction of 90% or higher just at having four and a half air changes per hour. And that's the same relative risk reduction that you see for N95 respirators as well. So there are unproven methods out there, but these proven methods of engine controls, we know that they work until these alternative technologies catch up to the proved testing and validation. And that's what we want to remind everybody, improve those air changes, improve the filtration, put that system in manual, and you'll see some big improvements to decrease COVID. Lastly, do you have any success stories you can share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. In one particular example comes to mind. We worked with a three-generation family-owned dental practice, and they had um, multi-site offices. They had a research and development location, 
And, you know, early on, there were a lot of patients that simply weren't going to the dentist. So they put off treatments, they put off their regularly scheduled appointments. So we worked with the owners of this business and we actually implemented and adopted several of the controls that we just talked about. And they did this early on in the pandemic when there wasn't a lot of guidance out there. So, you know, essentially this practice, they set out to improve building ventilation. They installed local HEPA units. They did a lot of controls we just mentioned. They also required masks and hand sanitizing. They implemented special hours for their at-risk patients only. And that was to keep it, you know, your at-risk patients away from other folks in the population. So with this example, we know long-term, not only did they retain their existing patients, but they also added new patients. While other, we know other dentists were, were slow to adopt those facility controls. So they used the COVID-19 as, a, if you will, kind of a business consideration. And they actually saw an increase in customers and new patients because they implemented those controls. We know also looking at them two, two and a half years later, another ancillary benefit is their call-in time and the sick time for workers. And right now, we know that that's been reduced. They've had a 75% reduction from the pre-COVID years. So again, if there's anything that we can learn from this whole COVID-19 episode is, you know, the health and hygiene practices that we're implementing and these facility controls, they are effective. And uh, long-term, I think we can implement those and be successful. We have reached the end of our podcast. Thanks to our speaker and all of our listeners. Please visit the Prima website to hear other Prima podcasts, view Prima webinars, read Prima blogs, and learn about other Prima educational resources. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and our very own Prima Talk. Have an amazing day.